you know what your name means? Many of you know what your name means. I'm sure you probably do. Uh, Jenny Gaiman in August 26th, Anabaptist World, she has an article or column, This is What Your Name Means. She shares her experience voting. At the registration table, a woman at the desk asked her, Do you know what your name means? Before Jenny could answer, she said, It means gracious gift from God. Well, I don't think that's what Jenny means, but this is a new meaning for her. Gracious gift. Okay, there's a Greek word at the beginning and end of uh, our text today, uh, charis. Um, this is a feminine noun. Um, so if your name is uh, Carissa or Charis or even or Grace, well, you're there. Okay, you've got it. Um, uh, but this morning I would suggest that uh, we all imagine our names as meaning gracious gift from God. Now, Onesimus in this letter means useful. But he had to go through some conversion and transformation to get there. And this happened in Christian community. And this is what our message is about, Christian community. We begin our Anabaptist Mennonite Roots series today. This is for those of us who want to renew our, uh, our roots as Anabaptist Mennonites. And it's for anyone who wants to learn more about the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition and Mennonite church. And thankful to Eric for suggesting this series. Uh, community, following Jesus, and peacemaking. These are three uh, big areas. And today, uh, this is kind of like Community 101, I guess. Our Mennonite community roots go back further than the 15th century. They really go back to creation. But today, we go to the first century. Uh, so this is an ecumenical sermon. Our, this, these are roots we share with many uh, faith traditions. In the New Testament, Paul's letters are listed roughly according to their length. So Philemon is last, um, right before Hebrews. One of the prison epistles or captivity epistles written from prison in Rome, Ephesus or Caesarea. Paul was executed by the Roman government around 62. Philemon was written about 60 to Philemon at Colossa in Asia Minor. This is present-day Turkey. Colossa is not far from Ephesus, where Paul spent three years, about 53 to 56. So this is a map that shows, uh, uh, to my left here, Turkey. Uh, if you can see uh, Ephesus there and then Colossa, there's probably 50 or 60 miles between those two. Paul kept copies of his letters in a notebook, a codex. These were saved, and then by the 5th century, the New Testament canon was formulated. This well-written letter gives us a glimpse of a real-world situation in a 1st century Christian community and a glimpse into the Apostle Paul's heart. It's really well-written, and I was uh, excited and as I worked with this. I never really uh, worked with it a lot. Onesimus carried this letter to Colossae and also, with it, the letter to the Colossians, along with Titius. This is in Colossians 4, 7 to 9. So let's begin with prayer. Holy Spirit, please refresh our hearts 
and provide rest and comfort on this Labor Day weekend as we enjoy this personal letter. Help us catch the spirit of its strength and beauty. Thank you for loving us and creating us as your gracious gifts in community. Amen. Please take your insert from the bulletin. I'm going to use this uh, as the, the translation for the sermon. I've color-coded some words uh, that recur. Um, I color-coded blue here, brother and sister, and I put the beloved in blue. That's not the same word, but I did it anyway. It's a uh, agape word. I love word. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, the beloved, and our fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the assembly in your house. Favor to you and peace. This favor is the charis word. Favor to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You and our are plural here. Our Father. Um, favor to you. This is plural to the community. Favor or gracious help. Charis. Our Father. The decisions made with respect to Onesimus are in the context of a Christian community. The assembly or community or ecclesia in your house. Now this is not individualism. This is a community meeting in a house. I'm going to show three, three images of a house, church. This was excavated, I think, in the 1930s in Syria. Uh, this Dura Europus house. Um, communities, early Christian communities met in a house. If you could go back, uh, Gail, to the floor plan, the first one. On your left at the bottom, uh, this was the northeast corner. There's a door coming in there. Number one, there would be a courtyard. Number four would be the meeting place where they would uh, worship and have their meal together. Worship included a meal. This was only like 60 by 60. It was near to the synagogue. The synagogue was larger. Number six up there is the baptism area where they would have a basin. It was like five feet wide, three feet deep. Um, so we could go to the next one there. This is the baptistry. This is, there were frescoes on the wall, nice paintings of Jesus, for instance, healing the paralytic man, or Jesus walking on water. I think maybe David and Goliath as well. And the next one. We could go to the, this is what it looks like today, so there's not much um, left, but this is uh, quite interesting. Um, I don't know how big this gathering would have been, but probably not real big. Later on uh, in the 4th century, 5th century, when churches got bigger, this is when being a Christian was no longer a crime. This was very good, of course. Um, churches got larger. They assumed the rectangular structure of the hall like we have here at Metamora, and the real meal, having a real meal together, tended to be lost. 
So Philemon will receive counsel from the community in his house. And Aphia may have been his wife. Okay, community. When someone is baptized into Metamore Mennonite Church membership, they are asked the following uh, question. Will you commit yourself to Metamore Mennonite Church faith community as we give God credit and praise and call on God's name and worship? Will you build one another up and encourage one another? Will you give and receive counsel and discern together? Those are our roots. Important decisions are not made in a top-down manner, but from the congregation. We are continually working at spiritual discernment. This is a work in progress. Let's continue with the text. I give thanks to my God always while making mention of you at the time of my prayers, because I hear about your trust, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and your love, your agape for all the believers in order that the active sharing, this is a koinonia word, sharing of your faith may develop through knowledge of every good or beneficial thing, which is through us or by us for Christ. For I have much gladness and comfort because of your love, because the hearts of the believers have been refreshed through you, brother. The believers here are literally the holy ones. The sharing in red is a koinonia, sharing, mutual participation. Knowledge of every good or beneficial or helpful thing. This is a good way to live, a quality way to live. Sharing about God's trustworthiness, sharing of our faith is active and effective if we are actually doing useful kingdom work in the cause of or for or in honor of Jesus. Now the hearts here, this word hearts is not the usual word, cardia, we say electrocardiogram or uh, cardiologist. The word for heart here is splankna, it's, uh, it's your viscera, it's a deep uh, feeling. Uh, we call, uh, biologists talk about a splanknic circulation, circulation through your uh, intestines. Okay, this is deep, really deep feeling. And a beautiful verb here, have been refreshed. To cause someone to gain relief, rest, to revive or refresh. So along with gladness and comfort, this is well-being or shalom. I could have color-coded agape here. It's used, I think, three times in this text, also trust, but I didn't have enough colors. Uh, Trust in the Lord Jesus, love for all the believers, and hospitality are important in the discernment ahead for this community. Now we're going to continue with the text. I've italicized some pronouns to convey the emphasis in the text. In Greek, the pronoun is included in the verb, and uh, uh, if the pronoun is used, especially if it's in a long form, this is uh, for emphasis. Therefore, having strong confidence through Christ to command you to do that which is fitting on account of your love, your agape, I am strongly requesting more. More. Asking you to do more. While being such as Paul, an old man now, but also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I am entreating you concerning my, ch my child, my child, whom I became the parent of in my fetters or bonds or imprisonment. Onesimus, 
he who was once useless to you, but who now is useful both to you and to me. He whom I am sending back to you, this one is my heart, whom I was wishing to keep with me in order that in behalf of you he might be at my service in my fetters, the bonds or imprisonment for the gospel. That which is fitting, appropriate, proper, one's duty. This word is very similar to every good or beneficial thing. These are words that add strength and beauty to the structure of this letter, a quality way to live. With boldness and confidence through Jesus, Paul commands, with authority and strongly and persuasively articulates his request as an old man and a prisoner. Strongly requesting and entreating here are the same verbs. An example for us to make our needs and requests known in community in a winsome, attractive, tactful manner. There's a picture by Rembrandt of the Apostle Paul. I guess as an old man, Rembrandt was a Dutch artist in the 1600s. And, um, his wife was a Mennonite, and he was closely related to the, uh, the Mennonite art gallery. He may have been an Anabaptist. It isn't clear whether he was ever able ever baptized. But we'll claim him. We'll claim Rembrandt. Onesimus, he who was once useful to you, but who now is useful both to you and to me. We don't know what Onesimus did. He probably didn't repay a debt. This was probably something financial. But he is converted. Lives are changed by the Holy Spirit in koinonia settings. He takes a community from useless, serving no beneficial purpose, to useful, beneficial socially, providing service. Onesimus probably knew Paul and sought him out in Rome. Continuing, but without your approval, I want to do nothing in order that your beneficence, goodness, helpfulness, good deed, may not be as according to pressure, not be as, as according to pressure, coercion, manipulation, but according to volunteerism. For perhaps on account of this, he has been taken, Onesimus has been taken away for a short time in order that you might receive him in full without end, no longer as or like a slave, but beyond a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, not only in the flesh, but also in the Lord. Okay, so tradition has it that Onesimus was a slave, but uh, some people feel that he was actually a brother. He and uh, Philemon were brothers. And it boils partly down to this little word as, two-letter word as. It's, two, it's a two-letter word in Greek also. It can be translated as, but it also being translated like. Receive him without, without and no longer like has the force of as if he were uh, a slave. Um, anyway, beneficence is the same word. It's the noun form as good above, knowledge of every good thing, everything good, a call to a life of dignity and quality, not as according to pressure. Um, our rejoice readings, and again, this is a Anabaptist Mennonite resource. It's, you can always pick one up. It's out on the Narthex table. This quarter, it's entitled Freedom in Community. And if you have a chance, read the editorial, Invitation to Freedom by Catherine Roberts. Paul's entreaty is not coercive. It is nonviolent, non-hierarchical, 
It allows community discernment. As I said, Onesimus and Philemon may have been brothers. The little word as can be translated like. Brother can mean not just fellow beloved, but fellow believer, but actual brother. And flesh can mean not just the external or human side of things or point of view, but actual flesh. And then how much more to you? This how much more phrase makes sense if the two were brothers. I kind of like that. Um, uh, if they were really brothers, we think of Jesus' parable of the two sons, uh, the younger son and the older son. The, the uh, younger son maxed out his credit card, all right, and he needed help. And so he got a loan, all right, uh, from somebody, from his brother, and didn't pay it back. Have you ever been there? Anybody borrowed money from you? Um, but over the years, Onesimus has been considered to be Philemon's slave. If we accept this traditional interpretation, we need to be careful not to take Paul's letter to be pro-slavery. It has been used that way, justifying that runaway slaves need to be returned to their masters. If Onesimus was a domestic slave, Paul is helping him on the road to freedom. Domestic slaves could become freed and could even inherit some of the owner's estate and achieve Roman citizenship. So the safest thing for Onesimus would have been to return, probably. Knowing also that you will do more than the things which I am recommending. This is in verse 21 later. And I am strongly requesting more, which we've read. This may mean that Paul is actually asking Philemon to make Onesimus a freed man. He's probably asking him to do even more, and this probably includes setting him free. It takes a community. Presumably Philemon and the community, the assembly that met in Philemon and Apia's house in Colossae, responded favorably to Paul's entreaty. Verses 17 to 22, Therefore, if you consider me a partner, uh, this is the koinonia word again, welcome him as me. And if he has injured you in any way or owes you anything, charge this to me. I, Paul, write with my handwriting, I will pay the damages in order that I, I may not say to you that besides you owe me yourself. Don't make me play this card. Uh, you even owe your life to me. Uh, yes, brother, may I have benefit from you and the Lord. Uh, revive again, rest, give refresh my heart in Christ. I write to you trusting in your obedience, knowing also that you will do more than the things which I am recommending but also at the same time prepare a guest room for me, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given graciously to you. To you, that's plural. Here we have the personal form of koinonia, a partner or sharer, a companion. Paul is willing to pay the damages. Again, the verb, give rest to, revive, refresh, deep feelings in Christ. And this, this is something I like about this. I will be given graciously. So we've talked about charis, uh, a name, and grace. God's gracious help. Um, charissa, grace. This verb is charizomai, is to give graciously. Here it's passive. But listen, one of the meanings is to cancel a sum of money that is owed. Paul hopes his debt to society in prison is canceled and he be given graciously to Philemon and the ecclesia in his house. Now, this is not a theological tract. It doesn't mention the Holy Spirit, doesn't mention um, uh, 
Jesus' death on the cross, so I was thankful for the first song that was chosen. It does mention the great mystery, a great victory, uh, Jesus taking, carrying up sin in his body to the cross for sin's condemnation and judgment and our vindication by being freed of charges. And this verb kind of has some of that, that being canceled, the debts being canceled. So the letter begins with a church in your house and ends with prepare a guest room for me. House, church, and hospitality. Christian discernment is done in community. Finally, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers, the gracious help of our Lord Jesus Christ, the charis of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So grace here has the last word. So how can we apply this uh, for our own transformation? Early Christian communities were intriguingly attractive in their culture. All classes and peoples were accepted, even slaves, women, children. Prisoners were visited, burials provided for the poor, infants brought in that had been exposed, meals shared, hospitality, lives were changed, like Onesimus and Philemon. Unclean spirits fled. And the one worshipped had been crucified by a Roman uh, procurator. Can you believe that? And he is, this one is said to be alive. This was intriguingly interesting. Brothers were reconciled. Debts were repaid. This action in the culture was slow, like leaven, a patient ferment. Alan Kreider writing, a patient ferment. Slow but steady growth of the kingdom in our midst like a mustard seed in a slave and patriarchal culture. Culture is the water we swim in. God loves our culture and is redeeming it. God's kingdom is present already, but not yet. Recently, I attended an IMC retreat, Alimentic Conference Retreat at Mount Haven on leadership style and communication. And this is a poster. Now, this is Mennonite theology, okay, if you're interested. We are called to be on hand for that which is at hand, it's present, but not yet in hand. Okay. This is the kingdom of God. It is present now, not something in the future. So we take care of each other. We take care of the earth. Um, we work for peace and reconciliation because this is the world we have. A community of sharing and sharers brings the leaven of the gospel into our culture. Truth, justice for the poor and oppressed, the immigrant, the landless. Care for the earth. We take what is good from our culture and build. God is bending history toward shalom. Need to remember Galatians 3.28 and Colossians 3.11, basically the same. Paul says, in Christ, we are no longer slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put that with what... Chuck chose this morning for the call to worship, John 13, love one another. In Philemon, we get a glimpse into first century world and the church in this setting and into the personality of the Apostle Paul. This letter is beautifully and tactfully written. There's one other image from this. You see these animals? A giraffe okay, moves gracefully calmly and deliberately. So that's the kind of people we want to be. That's the kind of leaders 
Uh, we want to be. Um, uh, and then I'll call your attention to this image of Jesus on the left here. I'm still thinking about this. Uh, I'm trying to thinking about it biblically, theologically, historically. But I would uh, ask uh, your pondering of this, your thoughts, shows Jesus actually being our root, right? And our community. It's like uh, we can, um, Jesus really is our root and our life. This is an El Salvadoranian painting from El Salvador. And um, Melinda Berry was a resource person uh, from Mennonite Seminary in Elkhart. She brought that uh, along. So we can go into this week as the Mennonite, Metamore Mennonite Church faith community with our whole beings refreshed with gladness, with God's gracious help. So we can know every good thing and discern together what is fitting. Uh, before our prayer and sharing today, Eric will lead us in a litany of intercession. It's on the bulletin back. This is based on Philemon verse 4. Note the deep heart swankness feelings here, the sharing in community and love, um, commitment, koinonia. So let's pray together. God, thank you for this letter preserved for us, showing an excellent way toward discernment, love, and community. Give us the same strength and tact Paul had to articulate and collaborate and communicate in love. Be gracious to us this week so we can be your gracious gift. How great thou art, truly, all praise is yours. Amen. Peace and all good. illusions of the home and we see illusions of the feast that we enjoy in heaven with our savior uh, when my family lived in texas we had a beautiful beautiful community of believers it was very special and we were told that caterpillar wanted us back in illinois and that kind of broke my heart illinois is a beautiful place but the community that we had down there and the family that we had was really special and so the last, one of the last times we went to our home group, I very awkwardly tried to announce that we were being moved. 